What's up, guys? It's Arif. And this is Arish. And welcome or welcome back to the Two Brothers in Their Sports podcast. We have another great show lined up for you guys. We're going to start off by doing a week three recap and looking ahead to week four, which matchups are the best and which matchups will show out to be one of the best games of the week. Also, we're going to talk about Richard Sherman signing with the Buccaneers to deepen that secondary. Uh, and then the MLB playoff race, as the playoffs are coming, are they're about to start for the MLB, uh, especially the um, American League playoff race. And then the Dodgers making the wild card spot with 103 wins. And then our weekly segment, who you should start this week for Week Four Fantasy Football: Two Brothers, Two Picks. Enjoy the episode. So I'm gonna start with my surprise. My surprise was the Chargers beating the Chiefs. 30-24, to 24. Patrick Mahomes not having a great game, and he had two interceptions, only three touchdown passes compared to two interceptions. Herbert had four touchdown passes, zero interceptions, and he played an amazing game, Herbert did. And the Chiefs are below 500 for the first time in a very long time. That was my surprise. And my biggest flop is probably the Los Angeles Rams beating the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers' defense, that's probably going to be my biggest flop. They let Matthew Stafford throw for four touchdowns. They let Cooper Cup get two touchdowns. Higby to get a touchdown. And to be start. fair, Cooper Cup has been going off, though. True, and I love Cooper Cup. I traded for him right before the year. I'm really, I'm really happy that I did. So, yes, I'm a pro Cooper Cup fan. I think that Cooper Cup is having an amazing season. But what I'm saying is Tampa Bay should have doubled him up. And that Deshaun Jackson touchdown should not have been a touchdown. They need to have better defense. And I'm pretty sure the Buccaneers' safety slipped. There's nothing you can do about that. But their defense letting in 34 points is not great. Now, Tom Brady threw for 432 yards. And he had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Godwin had a rushing touchdown. So, it's hard to play better than how well he played. But in the end, I think Tom Brady didn't do anything wrong. I think it's just the Buccaneers' defense and them not looking great. So my biggest surprise, I'm not going to go with what you said about the Chargers and the Chiefs because I actually said that the Chargers would win. Herbert is always great against the Chiefs, and we've seen that in past years. But my biggest surprise is going to be the Washington football's team, Washington football team's defense letting up 43 points. Granted, it is the Buffalo Bills. Granted that Emmanuel Sanders turned into what he was, what he used to be, Cole Beasley led the team in targets and catches, so and yards. So he the the Bills secondary, I mean the Bills were just able to tear apart the uh Washington secondary. And I don't I really don't know what happened here. Gibson what Gibson's day was saved from that touchdown that he got, a 73 yard catch, and really no one else produced. Their offense did not produce. Taylor Heineke was average through two picks, had two touchdowns as well. So their defense, the Washington football team's defense, did not come to play. And we see they've been so hyped up. They even took Jamin Davis uh, in the draft, the the linebacker from Kentucky, to strengthen that defense and help Cole Holcomb. But it's just not working. The past three games, the Washington defense has not been what they were supposed to be and has not carried off from what they were last week, and from what they were last year. Now, my biggest surprise is actually the Cowboys winning 41-21 to against the Eagles. Jalen Hurts 
his rushing ability really kept him afloat, but he was also averaged two touchdowns, two picks, and again, no one on their team really did incredible. The Cowboys were able to spread the ball around. Zeke got going. Pollard got going as well, like he's been going insane the past few weeks. And the Cowboys passing attack really looked lethal because Zeke was able to run the ball. So that is my biggest surprise. More so that the Cowboys were able to get going and get Zeke going and not the Eagles defense because we knew they were not that good. But the Cowboys were able to get Zeke, Pollard, and their wide receivers going that doesn't include Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper didn't get going, but he was hurt. But their whole offense got going, including Dak Prescott. So that was incredible. Arsh, what are you looking forward to in week three? Or week four? So I'm looking forward to the Panthers versus Cowboys game. I'm looking forward to seeing how Chubba Howard is going to play out as a kick returner and punt returner. Chubba Hubbard, how, his, how he's going to play out as a kick returner and punt returner. And obviously the starting running back now that CMC's injured. And then obviously the Cowboys offense. And we'll see if they can keep leading the league in takeaways with their defense. And then the second game that I'm really, really excited about is the Cardinals versus the Rams game. I think this is going to be a great game. The Rams are playing the Cardinals. The Rams are 4-0. I mean 3-0. Cardinals are 2-1, I believe. But the Cardinals... Sorry. Both the Cardinals and the Rams are 3-0. And the Rams are... I think that the Cardinals are going to pull out. But I think Cooper Cup is going to be a big factor. Um, Robert Woods hasn't been being involved that much in their offense. But I think Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson will tear up that defense. And I believe it's going to be a high shootout with the Cardinals barely pull, pulling out. And Kyler what? Murray... Kyler Murray... That's what I said from the beginning. Kyler Murray showing out and certifying that he should be leading in the MVP race. Okay, I completely disagree. There's no way that, first of all, this is a pretty good game, but I think the Rams will dominate. Kyler Murray is going to be stuffed in the pocket. He's going to have nothing to do, no options to throw to. DeAndre Hopkins is not 100%, but I think DeAndre Hopkins will still have a good game. But the Rams defense will absolutely shut down the Cardinals, the Cardinals run game and pass. The run game will be, like, defeated. The passing game will be okay. Um, but the Rams' offense is incredible, and their defense is even more, even better than their offense. So I think that, that I disagree with that. I think the Rams will absolutely dominate that game. So the first game I'm actually looking forward to is uh, the Chiefs versus Eagles. Now, the Chiefs have one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. So I think that Jalen Hurts should be able to get going in this game. Keyword, should be able to get going. His running ability, I think, will show in this game I think he'll have close to 10 carries close to 100 yards and maybe a touchdown and his passing ability will be shown the same thing that happened with Lamar Jackson when he got drafted oh no one knows if he can pass that same narrative is with Jalen Hurts and that's going to be disseminated after this game when Jalen Hurts throws for over 350 yards all over the Chiefs defense and the second game I'm most excited for I think everyone is this has been long awaited since the schedule came out the Patriots versus Buccaneers game. Now, obviously, it's storylines. Tom Brady's going back to Tampa. All his teammates are super hyped up that he's going back to Tampa. I mean, not to Tampa, going back to New England. And they're facing Bill Belichick again. I think that this this is going to be an incredible game. Well, not, it won't be an incredible game. It'll be an incredible storyline, which it already is. But the game will not be incredible. The Bucks defense will dominate Mac Jones. Mac Jones has not that much ability. And so, well, he doesn't have ability, but he's not experienced. And their wide receivers, like, how do you have Jacoby Myers as your first wide receiver against a Buccaneers defense? 
Not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen there. So the Buccaneers will easily pull out of this. I think it's going to be close to like 35 to 10. Um, and the only touchdown will come probably for the Patri for the Patriots. The only touchdown will come on a run from Damian Harris because he's good. But I think that Tom Brady, he is fueled up for this game. Everything he's waited for the past year and a half comes down to this return. And he showed he can win without Bill Belichick. So now we can see if he w can win against Bill Belichick after having him coach him for all these years. So Richard Sherman has finally made his quote-unquote arrival back to football after signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and being recruited by Tom Brady. Tom Brady actually called Richard Sherman and told him to join the Buccaneers. So this is a, I don't think this is a huge deal, but this is a pretty big deal, especially due to the fact that Sean Murphy Bunting is hurt, got hurt in the, in the Buccaneers' first game. So Richard Sherman adding depth to that position is very good, giving the Buccaneers secondary something to work with some veteran experience and with the 49ers in the past few years, Richard Sherman has shown that he still has something left in the tank. Not a lot, but he still has stuff left in the tank. Obviously, the Patriots versus Seahawks rivalry was, was very big going back to the two Super Bowls that they played against each other. So, this, it's, it's like they're teammates now. Now, Tom Brady can basically recruit anyone he wants. Um, I, I hear the analogy a lot that Tom Brady is pulling, he's doing the same thing LeBron James is in NBA. LeBron James is pulling quote-unquote, as people call them, old people or old athletes to the Lakers. Same thing with Tom Brady. He's pulling, oh, not old, Richard Sherman's like 33, but he's not. that's not like extremely old, but he's pulling older athletes to the team. And I think that this just strengthens their defensive case for being the best defense in the NFL and winning the Super Bowl. Now, you think they're the best defense in the NFL after what happened with Matthew Stafford? I do think they're the best defense in the NFL, and that I think that's why Matthew Stafford was traded for two first-round picks and Jared Goff. Okay, so I, so Richard Sherman signed a, uh, he reported by NFL contract, he signed a two point two five million dollar contract, and who I think both sides win this. I don't think there's a clear winner. I think both sides win this trade. Be, I mean, win this signing. Richard Sherman signs with the team. I think he'll get another Super Bowl ring. He already has uh, one one to add. Run, he has one, and now he's going to add another one to his collection to play with Tom Brady. And his first game is going to be against the New England Patriots. He's going to participate in that rivalry. So that's a very big game, and I think Richard Sherman will show up to it. I think he'll have probably one or two pass deflections potentially a sack probably not though um and i think he'll have uh four or five tackles just because the patriot the patriots will not be able to get the ball into the secondary so but either way this is a huge signing for richard sherman and the buccaneers and sherman both win this trade win this signing okay so i think that the buccaneers do improve their defense there's no way i don't think that you can get richard sherman richard sherman and not improve your defense but their defense needs to be improved a lot because their defense has not been great playing the Cowboys and then also playing the Rams. They have not been great and they need to up their game. And by do getting Richard Sherman, I believe they're doing that. But it's going to be a hard game against the Patriots. We The Buccaneers should not underrate them. And it's going to be a long, hard-fought game. And I believe that the Buccaneers will win in the end. But they're going to need a pretty good defense to do that. So, I think... You think it's going to be a long, hard-fought game? You think this game's going to be tough for the Buccaneers? I think they'll pull away at the end, and it'll look like a blowout. 
but if you actually watch the game, it won't be. It'll be pretty close the whole time. So it's closer than the box score shows, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what about how does Richard Sherman improve or actually, in if you want to say improve or not help the Buccaneers defense? What do you think? I think that Richard Sherman obviously helps them because they needed help with their cornerback situation. Jamal Dean has been being targeted a lot, and Sean Murphy Bunting needs help on that field. They he's out, but they also like that's even shown that their depth is not great at that position. And even when he was playing, he needed a lot of help at that position. So they're going to need a lot of help, and they're going to have to play very well like they did last year into the playoffs to become a title contender. So my question to you is then, is Richard Sherman uh, like an Antonio Brown in this locker room where his obviously he's had a criminal pass. Do you think that this criminal pass just goes away because Tom Brady's there and Tom Brady, we see what he's done with players in the locker room. So you think that just goes away and Richard Sherman becomes a beast on the field again? Or do you think that the, those problems will remain and that'll be a problem for the Buccaneers the whole season? I think it'll be an Antonio Brown situation where A.B. did have some trouble in the past, but once, once he got to the Buccaneers, he started having a lot of success and I believe it's going to be the same exact thing for Richard Sherman. And that's only going to happen if they start, if they play well. Richard Sherman, though, this is, I believe, his last chance if he doesn't play well or if something happens off the field or even on the field that isn't great. This is his last chance, just like it was AB's last chance. He's going to have to make the most of it if he wants to keep playing football. Yeah, but I, I personally think I disagree with you. I think this situation will not play out well. I did say that Richard Sherman is signing, signing is good for both sides, and it is, if Richard Sherman can stay out of trouble. Now, I don't think that will happen. I think that there will be issues in the Buccaneers locker room, potential issues. I don't know what they will be, but I just have a feeling that Richard Sherman will not uh, gel well with his teammates. I think he will gel well with Tom Brady, and I think that he will, his issues will be, there'll be less issues, but I don't think they'll be completely gone, and they potentially might hinder the Buccaneers' Super Bowl chances. So, for the MLB, it's been a pretty crazy season, and now we're going to the playoffs. For the American League, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Houston Astros, and Chicago White Sox all lead in each of their respective divisions. And the wild card is where it gets interesting. The Yankees have a two-game lead over the Red Sox. The Seattle Mariners, who both have 89 wins and 70 losses. And then Toronto, the Toronto Blue Jays have 88 wins and 71 losses. Now, if the Yankees win two out of their next three games, the Yankees will win the AL wild card. If Boston, if now here's where it gets complicated. Because if the Yankees win one game, Boston's going to have to win all three. And the same for the Mariners. And if the Yankees lose all three, the Boston loses two and Seattle loses two and Toronto wins three, they can win. But it's going to be a really hard way for anyone except for the Yankees to win unless the Yankees lose twice, which could very much happen. They're playing the Rays, who lead the division. Now, moving on to the National League, the San Francisco Giants lead their division with 105 wins. Then comes Milwaukee with 95 wins and the Atlanta Braves with 86 wins. 
What's crazy is that the Dodgers have 103 wins, which is more than any American League team, yet they still can only make the wild card. Now, it's pretty much no hope for anyone except for the Cardinals and the Dodgers for the wild card. But the Dodgers with 103 wins, and since the Giants are in their division, the Giants, well, the Dodgers might be able to overtake the Giants, but it's very unlikely. And the Giants with 105 wins, which is a surprise for a lot of people. Now, what's crazy about the MLB is that the Braves have 86 wins, but they make it to the playoffs, and the Dodgers make the wild card with 103 wins, but that's just how it works with divisions. And it's like this in the MLB and the NFL with the NFC East, people say, the NFC least, always making the playoffs no matter what. People think that's unfair, but in baseball, it's really showing with a team that had 103 wins with three games left to play, I'm pretty sure, and yet they still did not make the division leaders. So what do you predict, and specifically in the AL East, what do you think will happen there with the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays? Who do you think will come out with the with the first seed? And then who do you think will come out with the wild card? So I think Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays, are going to win the division. That's already locked in. That's already automatically happening. But for the wild card, I think that the Yankees will win. And the Yankees, I believe, will be able to win two out of their three games. I think they just need to win two games and they're in the playoffs, and I think they'll be able to do. I, okay, I'm going to start off with the AL East. Like you mentioned, you outlined everything, and I think that, well, that is a very, very close race, and the Yankees are, the Red Sox are only two games behind the Yankees, and the Blue Jays are only three games behind the Yankees, one game behind the Red Sox. So I'm just going to focus on that division. The Rays are playing the Yankees three times today, tomorrow, and Sunday. They're playing them three times and that can de- that can decide the Yankees' fate. It doesn't can no it, the Rays are locked in. It doesn't matter. That can decide the Yankees' fate. And then the Red Sox are playing the Nationals, who are sixty five and ninety four. And then you have the Blue Jays playing the Orioles for the next both both of them playing for the next three games. So I think that the Yankees they started early. They like early on in the season they started very very downhill. They were on track to get one of the top ten draft picks in the draft. Now. They turned that around at All-Star Weekend after they got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. And their hitting and pitching have both co- both come up significantly. Not enough to catch the Rays and Clayton, uh, and uh, Kiermaier, though. So I think that, th- I personally think that it's too little. I get the Yankees are at second right now in their favor to win the wild card. But it, I think it's too little too late. And the Blue Jays leapfrog the Red Sox and the Yankees to get to the, to get to the wild card. Now they're they're playing the Orioles, who have the worst record in the Orioles have the worst record in the AL East. They also have the worst record in all of baseball. So, or a second worst record in all of baseball. It should be three easy wins for the Blue Jays, and I think that the Yankees will will lose one or more games to the Rays, giving way for the Blue Jays to come up. And the Red Sox, I think I think they'll probably win one, lose two, or win two, lose one, one of the two. But it doesn't matter because the Blue Jays will able to will be able to come up and win that. So it's going to be a crazy weekend. It's going to shape up to be a very very good playoff bracket. And obviously, everyone this this everyone is trying their hardest. And the Blue Jays, I I think that Bo Bichette and Vibe Guerrero have not given up hope yet. 
and that hope will show the next three games when the Yankees start losing against the Blue Jays, I mean against the Rays. I think the Blue Jays will come up and take over the Yankees spot in the wild card in the AL East. Now for our weekly two brothers two picks. My first pick is going to be, I don't know why, I've said this the past two weeks and he's just performed, he's performing better and better and it's it seems no one really seems to care. He's only been added in 17.5 more percent of leagues, 17.5 percent more in leagues. He's only rostered in total in 32 percent of ESPN leagues, and he literally he has such a huge catch radius. He's catching everything. First game, four targets, four catches. Second game, four targets, three catches. Third game, five targets, five catches for 98 yards. And the first two games, he had a touchdown in each. Now, he is, his uh, usage has been going up, and now with KJ Hamler out for the year and Jerry Judy's status uncertain for the next two to three weeks, Tim Patrick should be in a role to produce a lot. Now, it's, he's been adding, his game has been getting better and better, and Cortland Sutton, uh, Cortland Sutton was not able to perform at the level that he did two weeks ago. Last year, he did, last week, he did not perform what he did two weeks ago. And Tim Patrick is that big-bodied receiver that can get the ball in crucial situations when you need to, when you need to convert a fourth and one, when you need to convert at a fourth and goal at the one-yard line or two-yard line. He is your go-to guy, especially in this Broncos offense, besides potentially Javante Williams. So, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but Tim Patrick is a must-pick-up for all leagues, and even if you don't start him, put him on your bench because he's right now, he's playing Baltimore, who has the 13th uh, best defense, which is probably like middle of the pack. Then you have Pittsburgh, who's been struggling defensively, Vegas, who is okay, and then Cleveland, who's pretty good. So his schedule is not very easy, but it's not very hard. He should be able to produce, and as long as Jerry Judy is not there. Now, Jerry Judy coming back might put a question mark, but otherwise, roster Tim Patrick. Second pick, Hunter Renfro, another wide receiver, only rostered in 36.8% of leagues, and he is a clear-cut wide receiver one in this situation. Last week, six targets for, and five catches. The week before, seven targets for five catches. And then the first week, nine targets for six catches, and his his usage also has been going up. And he's the number one wide receiver. Uh, we see his... Uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Derek Carr has been on the same page with Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's that Michael Thomas 2.0 guy that's not as good, but still very good. Again, can get you a fourth and one. He's that guy that runs routes very well, can create separation. And especially in a PPR league, only rostered in 36.8% of ESPN leagues. You need to pick this guy up. And as of right now, I'm starting him as a wide receiver three in 12-team PPR leagues, especially because... They are playing the, uh, especially because they're playing the Chargers, who got torn apart by the Cowboys offense two weeks ago. Okay, so my two picks are going to be two of the same positions on the same exact team, as a matter of fact, because it turns out that the Tennessee Titans, A.J. Brown and uh, Julio Jones, are both out of the game against the Jets. So I'm going to have Chester Rogers, the Tennessee wide receiver, I'm going to have him as my first pick. He is projected 12.8. In the, in the first game, he got 11.2 points. Second game, 17.2. Third game, 11.6. Which is crazy to think about because he's a wide receiver three. He was a wide receiver three. Imagine all the damage he's going to do as a wide receiver one. He's going to be very, very good against the Jets, I believe, because... 
their two starting wide receivers are out, and now he's the wide receiver one. And my second pick is going to be the wide receiver two, Nick Westbrook-Ikahin. And I am having him because he, in the first game, two points, second game, 1.6. But last game, with uh, A.J. Brown sidelined and Julio Jones going out late, he had 13.3 points with a touchdown catch. He's going to be very good. Ikahin and Rodgers are both going to be very good. And I believe both of them are going to do great for the Tennessee Titans. And both of them are going to score a lot of points to be able to help your fantasy lineup as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are out. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. If you guys enjoy what you hear, consider subscribing. It's free. Also consider leaving us a like. It goes a long way to help promote our channel and helps us get our viewers out there. So thank you guys so much. Also, consider leaving us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you tell us a subject you'd like us to talk about, we may feature you guys in the next episode. Until next time, we're the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Deuces. Deuces.